Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Zoop. I hope you are ready. Squad, I got my people in the house with me tonight. We're going to have a good show tonight. 
So tonight in this hour, this first hour, we're going to be talking about uh, what's going on in the news. We've got a good show tonight. We're going to be talking about situationships. We've got Derek Turner, who is the CEO of BlackMatchMade.com. So we're going to get into it tonight. But first, let me say what's up to my my people. What's going on, Miss Q Willis? How you doing tonight? Hey, hey, I am doing well this evening. Doing well. Happy to be here. How's everybody else? I'm good. Doing I'm good. 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 <coughs> good. Hey, hey, everybody. Coughing a little bit, but I'm good. So what's going on, Miss Kelly Johnson of Elegance by Design? How are you? Excuse me. By, no, you Elegance by Design. <laughs> Kirby Kitt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me. Call me Slipper. I'm doing well. Just excited to see what the, the interview brings. Right? Yeah, you know, with with the weather changing, I just I don't really have a problem with the cloud, so that's all it is. Okay. Allergy. Okay. So we need that. We need to stop for a word of prayer. You know, we can. You know, Rashad can lay hands on you or something if you need it. I got my bed. <laughs> 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 All right, what's going on, cousin Rashad? Mr. Rashad Ray Chan Chandler, what's up, man? What's going on, Rob? You good? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Ready to kick it off. Talk to Ashanti this evening. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we got Ashanti on the show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go ahead. Let's jump into news real quick and uh, get things started. Uh, Q, you got news. What's going on? I do, I do, I do. So the thing that has been just super taking over all of my timelines and um, a lot of topics of discussion in various groups is the um, <clears throat> all of the conversations surrounding the girls in D.C. that have gone missing. Um, this story is one that took quite a quite a while to get some uh, momentum built and some steam generated around it. And I believe that a lot of that had to do with so much, um, I'm just going to call it what it is, somewhat misinformation. Um, <clears throat> so basically what happened in D.C. in December, they have decided to revamp how they communicate to the public who's missing and, you know, who's all gone missing. So in December, they began to tweet out the photos and missing persons information of um, children who were considered missing, who had gone missing. Um, This is not necessarily the Amber Alerts that we're used to or anything like this. This is essentially the side of the milk carton, the Have You Seen Me posters, things like that. They've just taken them to social media. So for whatever reason, between December and this past week or so, um, it seems as though D.C. hasn't paid a whole lot of attention to the fact that they have began to post these girls, or not these girls, but the missing persons there in D.C. So within the last week, we started seeing um, celebrities and uh, various people post, what about our girls, Where, what happened to the missing girls, why is no one looking for the girls? Well, what we had initially heard was that within a 24-hour time frame, I believe it was, there were 14 girls who had gone missing that had all fallen within a certain demographic. We spoke about this on last week, and we were all up in arms and confused and concerned and all of the above. Well, after um, this story had essentially gone viral across social media, D.C. DC police came out and made a statement and explained to the public as to why the numbers were not accurate 
why there had not been that many girls who had gone missing within this short time frame. But in, in fact, they were in addition to a few hundred other people who had also been reported via this website. So it was a bit mm-hmm. of um, delayed information or delayed awareness of the information. So then it caused us to panic. It caused panic um, when, that, when, when we got to the bottom of it. Now, with all of that being said, there's the reason why this, I believe, gained so much momentum and caught fire the way that it did was because um, I believe back in 2012, I'm scrolling through my article now, um, there was a scandal with two officers there in, um, there in D.C., Yeah, in December 2013, a veteran D.C. police officer was arrested and eventually sent to prison for prostituting teenage girls in southeast Washington. Another D.C. police officer was also arrested that month for taking photographs of a 15-year-old girl in various stages of undress. He committed suicide before going to trial. Right. So the the city, when when all of this came to light, like they were justifiably concerned and and understandably wondering that there was a cover-up going on. Because they had, and we may not have known this, because this is local business that they're dealing with. So the outrage that they have was generated by a fear of not again, and y'all not going to cover this up this time. So I can kind of see why there's so much frustration and anger surrounded by this. And, and in a way, I don't want us to get so um, so distracted, not distracted, we're distracted by the, the, the confusion that we don't go in and find these girls. So I think that I think that, that is, this is kind of spearheading the, uh, the, the local government there to try to implement different things, put them in place so that we can start to find these girls. Um, and I believe that is something that is starting to happen there. They're wanting to, now that we've got the awareness out and people are talking about it, they're starting to get more proactive and more um, just active in general as to how they're communicating this to the public how they can get the word out and get more help so that people can start to see these faces and start to bring these babies home. So um, I said a lot. <laughs> We've kind of got, gained a lot more information than what we had on last week. So what, what are your thoughts? When um, I'm going to start with you because I, I hear you in my amen corner during this one. What, what do you have to say on this one starting out? I mean, I just think, you know, I think that from a business standpoint, they did a terrible job of implementing this, you know, so communication. <laughs> Their communication plans. Like, where were those tweets? (laughs) Yeah, which which part which partly causes me to wonder if I can really believe it. But you know, I mean, it's it's kind of like, well, you know, again, you really, you know, we talked about this before in in our production discussion was like, you really don't know what to believe. But if there are missing young ladies, we need to find them. But if this is really just them redoing their system, again, the way they implemented this was pretty bad, and so. they should have they should have stopped this a lot fast a lot sooner than what what they actually did so i'm wondering like yeah. did the post just become visible now like because that's 3 months time frame so i right. I, I really wonder like who broke the story and why is it that now all of a sudden it caught so much attention. Did they just, I just don't understand. Cause like it, we can verify, it could be verified by going back to the Twitter feed and see when has this been a consistent posting of missing persons and no one's just paid any attention to it. Or all of a sudden in the last month or so now we've been inundated with all the missing people in DC. Like, and again, like you said, there were no, Hey, you guys check it out. We got a new way of, you know, new alerts coming, you know, none of, 
The local news should have been reporting about that. As many times I know here in Oklahoma City, we have KOCO that talks about that doggone local KOC, what is it, the Sky 5 weather alert app. Like as many times as the local news can tweet about, you know, and talk about those types of things to send weather pictures. This is something that should have been out in all of the advertising venues for everyone to to know that this is happening to avoid something like this. So I absolutely agree with that. Kels, what do you think? Um, I just think it's odd that even like while trying to research the numbers and stuff, everything just seems so abstract and skewed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is all over the place. Mm-hmm. I just it's just it's just hard to know if it's really you know did something really happen? Did someone uh, say something too soon? Or you know is it just really a cover up? And then for the community that they were talking about in that in the latest article um you know they were just saying people in the audience were like you know screaming out what about those two cops and mm-hmm. that kind of to me if the locals are not trusting it you know I, I just can't see myself saying oh okay that was a mistake you just updated some files and wanted to bring awareness all of a sudden but now it's not it's really not a big deal mm-hmm. I'm not really buying it. Yeah, no, they're, they're touting the fact that numbers have decreased over the past few years, and it's only like 200 some odd. It's not like they they lost a thousand people. Like it's dropped like by a thousand people. It went from I believe 2,400 and some odd people missing to now 2,223 some odd people missing. Um, so like they're saying that's kind of what they're trying to redirect it to like, Oh, but the numbers have actually dropped. When you look at the statistics, they dropped, but they say, well, we didn't know before that it was this many people missing to even recognize or to be able to be excited about the drop in the numbers, because these people are still missing and we didn't know that they were missing it out. So again, the, the transparency that they've shown in the communication is completely lacking. That's why they have trust issues. They don't have a good trust right. track record. <laughs> Rashad, what do you think, honey? Shy. All right. Well, Take Rashad's taking a quick break. He's <laughs> marinating on it for a minute. <laughs> She's still thinking. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let him call it back when he's ready to talk about it. So um, so I'm gonna continue to watch this story because I agree with what we've all talked about um as far as the communication and the transparency. Like there's got to be a welcome to Jesus meeting had, and it's got to be more than we're just glad that you all are aware now. You know, it's got to be more than that because this, this type of thing, just the, the visual of it, the perception of it is just bad. And this cannot be the norm. This cannot be kind of what we get ready to, to figure out. Oh, well, as long as they told us, no. And yeah, we've got to dig deeper. I don't think a, a press conference and, um, you know, a couple of tw- hashtags are going to be enough. So I, I hope that we, I know that I'm going to pay more attention to this. We'll be following up on this story further. Um, another one, real quick. When do we have time to, to get into the ACA, real quick? Let me do a yeah, time check right here. Okay. So um, as as you all know, the uh, the attempt to repeal and replace the ACA um, have been currently tabled. <laughs> Um, Donald Trump, President Trump, at the last minute, um, like right at the very last minute, decided to pull the repeal, um, the the replacement bill for the Affordable Care Act. They're wanting to replace Obamacare um, with the new Trump Care, 
and this was a controversial bill. There was quite a bit of pushback from the Republicans and, and Democrats alike, and it really came down to the last hour. At, uh, up to 24 hours before then, Donald Trump basically told them, we're not going to negotiate this anymore. We're going to come in tomorrow and we're going to vote. If you don't vote, um, I mean, if we don't pass it, then we're stuck with Obamacare. So I believe that was like his last-ditch effort to somewhat bully <laughs> the people into going ahead and signing, siding with him. Like, we don't have time to continue to do this. we got other business to do. So he did that, and they slept on it, came back in, and at the end of the day, they still said, nah, bro, we, we can't rock with this. So um, to avoid embarrassment on the floor and to have it struck down completely and all that good stuff, um, President Trump at the very last minute called Speaker Ryan and told him, no, we're not going to do this. We are not going to um, – we're not going to go ahead and have the vote, but we will go ahead and try and figure out another way to get this done. So while I don't believe this is currently the president's priority, um, he's moved on to tax reform, which is something that in, the, in a lot of ways is equally scary, and we don't need to kind of just be like, oh, well, now health care is done. Let's let him do a thing. No. This is something that we most definitely need to be paying attention to as well. But um, I do know that he does still have a committee that is going to be working on the the – the next go round of what this, you know, is supposed to be because he then made all these promises during the campaign. So people are looking for him to, to come up with something, but they don't even, they just don't know what it is. We still don't know what it is. Um, so we're going to keep our eyes open for this one. We're, we're going to see what's going on with it. But as of right now, they're back to the drawing board yet again. And we are still in the land of Obamacare. That's, that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. Go ain't wrong with that. Yeah, I, I'm okay. I, like I said, there was really nothing to to replace it with, so that was that was really the big issue. Um, that there were what they tried to replace it with when they ran it through the Congressional Budget Office, they found that I think it was something like it would save a hundred over ten year over ten year period. It would save 150 billion dollars, but like 22 was it 22 or 24 million people, less people would have insurance. So it was like, oh, no, we can't do that. Wow. So we don't have anything that's, you know, appropriate enough to um, to replace it with. So we're going we're gonna to just keep it what it is, for, keep what it is for now. So we're going to – I'm sure it might come back, but it, it might not. So, I mean, it really wasn't something that he uh, campaigned – well, he did say he would repeal it, but I don't mm-hmm. think that people – I don't know. We'll see. Let me, he was team, get that out of here. He, he didn't want nothing to do yeah. with it. Yeah, I, I still say I still say it goes back to if, if the man can bring provide a whole lot of jobs in this country, it will cover a multitude of sins. So if he can get if he get if he can get wages up, um, and I think Rashad, you used to say this all the time that if he can return the money back to the way to making people feel not saying that he can or will, but making people pockets feel like he did when Clinton was in office, then I think we'll he'll be okay. If he can't do that. He's one. He's gonna be one and done. So, and he ain't got that's so really the basis of you. his. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go no ahead. I was gonna say that's the basis of the people that are so upset about the the cost of um, the affordable health care. They can't afford it because they don't have jobs. Like so, like you said, the multitude of sins. A lot of the issues would probably go away if more people could actually afford to take care of themselves. There, that's so much of the frustration, I believe, is that the fact that they don't, we don't have the money to be able to provide the basic needs for ourselves. And although it's expensive currently and it does need all kinds of, you know, 
fixes. There's all kinds of updates that need to be made to um, the Affordable Health Care Act. But the fact remains that it does still provide health care insurance for people who did not have it prior to. It might be more expensive, but there it's expensive having an option versus no option, which is what we were still going to be possibly providing people with this replacement. Um, just seems it, it seems real extra and not very well thought out. So. I'm hoping, you know, like you said, if there are jobs and things like that, when you give people more money and more more freedom to take care of themselves, they're empowered to take care of themselves, people don't fuss about as much. <laughs> they're a lot more compromising and more willing to see what we can all do together when when everybody's eating and everybody is comfortable and, and thriving. Yep. All right. Let's go. we got to keep going. We, done rent. we, we all over the place. Yeah, right, right. That's, that's all I got. I'm good. I'm stepping down off my soapbox so we can keep time. Let's <laughs> <laughs> come over here falling apart. Sorry. Uh, all right, so we gotta we gotta go for it. We got our guests. So I don't want to keep them waiting past the time that we uh we said we were gonna do. So we'll we we'll, we'll get to um man of the year later if we have okay. time. But so what we're gonna right. do next is we've got we got a special guest with us tonight. Um, we're going to, again, tonight's topics, we're going to be talking about situationships. Um, and so we have with us, where is my paper? Come on. We have with us Jasmine Turner, who is uh, the CEO of Black Match Made. Uh, Jasmine is a professional matchmaker and dating coach uh, and the founder of Black Match Made. Uh, since its inception, she has assisted over 200 singles uh, to find matches. Many of those matches have led to dating relationships and even uh, engagement. So, because uh, I, I brought her own just for, I brought her own for, for a single people. Um, so, I'm going to need you to <clears throat> pay attention. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Jasmine Turner, how you doing, Jasmine? Hello, hello, hello. I'm well. How y'all doing? Hey, hey, welcome. Hey, good. Excuse good. Me. Awesome. Yeah. We are doing, so, Jasmine, uh, before we get started, uh, tell, uh, tell our listening audience a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, I am, uh, I like to call myself a Southern Belle in the city. So I'm originally from Alabama, born and raised, Um, even went to college in Louisiana. Shout out to Grambling. Um, But I've been living in Chicago for the last 10 years. And so a lot of my philosophies and and how I approach dating with my clients um, is traditional. So I, I still believe in traditional dating. I still believe in most gender roles. And uh, in my experience and in my journey, I found that that has what, that's basically what's helped most relationships to be successful. Hmm. Okay. How does that, how does, how is that um, in a, uh, what's the word I want to use? In this new era of dating, how does that um, translate? I mean, because you have a lot of people, I think one of the guys in the group said, what does it, what does it say? People want to, they want traditional roles, but they want modern um, modern systems and something like that. So, how does that kind of work out in your uh, in your world? Is that what you see, well, or you know what? I, I think most people desire some level of tradition in their relationships. I think you know, obviously, there are some people that are a little bit more progressive. Um, but the reality is, specifically in our community, a lot of people just don't know what they're doing. Right, because um, many people in our community, like myself, we were raised in single parent households, and so 
one of the advantages that people of other cultures and races have is that they have the opportunity to see um, compromise from their parents. They have the opportunity to see people choose um, partners that, you know, they share the same values with, um, that they share the same morals with and have the same life goals with. And our community, and what I see the most and I coach my clients on, is, is basically getting back to what's really important. Not necessarily focusing on, you know, if you guys have the same hobbies or if this person is the most attractive. You want to meet people and date people that you're compatible with. And compatibility is measured on two people who share the same morals, values, and life goals. So you asked me, you know, how does that, how does, how does traditional gender roles play in today's dating world? I just think most people don't even think about that when they're actually dating. They desire it. You know, I see a lot of women say they want men to be real men, right? And I and I hear a lot of men say they like feminine women. Ooh, um, <laughs> they like feminine women, but in reality, are are they taking the necessary steps themselves to attract the type of person they desire? And that's what's not happening. Okay. Yes. Amen. I hate the Amen. real man, real woman. Yes, that that we talk about it so much within our group, the real man, real woman, and I just we need to figure out the real us first, and then we can figure out what's real to and real in a mate. I just think that's so misleading, and it's confused us as a whole culture right now. Like our whole <laughs> people, you know, we're so stuck up in the real yeah. this and real that, and we're all too busy qualifying that we don't even know what the goal is. It's yeah, I co-signed that completely. Amen to that. Because Sorry, we've never ahead. seen it. A lot of times, we... <laughs> no, we're right though. You know, and I hear that frustration a lot. You know, most people they've never seen a successful relationship. You know, they they didn't see it in their parents. They didn't see it from their aunt or uncle, and so they don't know what to look for. And a lot of times, we, people are just out here doing whatever feels good at the moment. You know, and so uh-huh. that's where situationships come in, where there's there's no expectation long term and, and and now we see where fewer and fewer people are getting married and where we now have a population where most people are single instead of married when twenty, thirty years ago that wouldn't have been the case, but most adults are single. Right? So what's happening is when when you have no expectation um, and you're just out, you know, going with what feels good at the time, you never commit to anyone. Right? You never commit to a relationship, and as soon as something doesn't feel good or as soon as, you know, this person pisses you off or as soon as this person does something that turns you off a little bit, you up and you're moving on to the next person. Mm-hmm. And, and those type of behaviors don't lead to finding someone long-term because no matter who you end up with, they're going to do things that bother you. They're going to do things that annoy you. They're going to turn you off sometimes. And long-lasting relationships are when two people decide that they're committed to making it work even when they don't understand their partner. Love that. Hmm. Mm. Like, hold on. When two people decide they want they gonna make it work when they don't understand when they don't understand their partner. That's true. Even when they don't understand their partner, yeah. I mean, and can you from, tell me that in English, please? Because <laughs> I'm telling you, that was like Spanish in my life, like understanding <laughs> you said somebody. That's Spanish and, in your life. 
I'm telling you, because I don't speak it no Spanish. That's probably one of the hardest things is understanding and being understood and then understanding that you've been understood. Well, I, I think people are really expecting these, like, Disney World relationships, right, where, like, yep. you know, chemistry is off the chain right away. That's not necessarily going to be the case. Um, they're expecting to just always want to be around each other, to always feel like this person is the most amazing thing, and that's just not reality. There are times where you're going to be in a relationship with someone, and you're like, I do not feel like seeing this person right now. <laughs> you know, in most relationships, <laughs> that happens. And so how do you still manage to make it work when, you know, when sometimes you just don't feel like being bothered with that person or you don't understand why they just made a decision that they made? But that's what turns into a lasting relationship. It's the commitment. But now, you know, you guys know how it works. We're, we're all focused on immediate results. We want immediate results. And what happens is we have what's called situationships where two people do everything mm. they normally do in a relationship, but they never actually make the commitment because they just want the immediate results, which is, you know, physical intimacy, uh, mental intimacy, um, but it never goes anywhere. And, you know, one thing about us women is, is that we're emotional beings. You know, there are some women who feel like they broke in the hack. I, I still don't know if I believe them for real, but um, we're emotional beings. And so when we share our bodies and we're spending time with men, I don't care how much she tell herself that it's not going to get to her. Nine times out of ten, she's going to, you know, have some, some feelings towards this man. And we all know the saying, how our moms used to tell us, you know, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Well, when she's already giving him everything she has to offer with no expectations of anything long term, of course, that man is going to move on to the next thing until he finds somebody, you know, that, that he wants to settle down with. And, and then I, I talk to women all the time who come to me and they say, I'm tired of men who won't commit. I'm tired of men who won't commit. My first question to them is, have you been a person that has required commitment to have access to you? And, you know, the answer is always no. <laughs> wow. How does a woman do that? So, oh, go ahead. Um, go ahead. I, 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 think one, I think one of the things is um, women have to start being upfront with their expectations, what they want. Um, one question I still see a lot and hear a lot that I don't understand is women ask, you know, when should I tell him I'm looking for something serious? You should, you should do it early. Mm-hmm. A man who is open to something serious is not going to run from that question. <laughs> um, the only person that's going to run from that question is somebody who doesn't want something serious, and that's okay. That's what you want him to do. You want him to move on because you don't want him to waste your time. So I think first she needs to set clear expectations, and then she needs to have standards. Right, so she needs to have standards in regards to how far she's willing to go before there is some level of commitment. And and for some women, that means, you know, there's no sex until there's a relationship. For other women, that means she needs to spend a good amount of time with him um, and get to know him. But she needs to have some level of standards. And um, I actually just put a blog out about this yesterday. She cannot go with the flow. That is the worst thing any woman can do. She needs to have expectations. She needs to clearly um, let him know what her, her expectations are, and then she needs to have standards for what is acceptable um, bef- moving forward with the man before that commitment. She cannot go with the flow. Mm. She cannot All go right. with the flow. 
<laughs> because we are in a, such a, a go with the flow mode. Tell, sorry, I know you were trying to get in there before she started talking to you, and that one stuck out. To you, that one. To not go well, with no, the I flow. Mean, <laughs> well, you you kind of went into uh, what my what my you know question has comment uh, was going to be just was about you know at at some point is if, if people are um, feel like they're going in a routine and they're not getting the results that they want. Do you think that some of the go with the flowness, for lack of a better term, is just because you know at this point maybe they just want some companionship, they just want to have fun, um, because they're tired of the rut of you know meeting somebody then moving on and, and just the routine of that. Yeah, um, if her real desire is something long term. That's not going to change <laughs> just because she hasn't received it. Yet. It's not going to change. So even if she says, all right, well, you know, I want something long term, but it's not working out for me, so I'm just going to have fun. As soon as she starts calling herself just having fun, her genuine desire is still something long term. So when she tells this guy or, or, or accepts that this guy isn't open to something serious and she still spends time with him, she still becomes intimate with him, that's not going to change what her real desire is, and therefore she's going to find herself disappointed. So, you know, again, I tell women, if, if what you're doing is not working, then you got to change. You know, nothing changes if nothing changes. And so ultimately we they have to invest in themselves, whether that is getting a coach, whether that's, you know, taking some online courses, whether that is, you know, talking to someone who's going to be real and honest with them about the things they've noticed about their dating life. They have to take a step back and think about what they're doing that's attracting the type of men that they're attracting. But if, if you desire something serious, that's not going to change just because it's become difficult to find that. You're still later down the line going to find yourself still wanting that. And while you're out just enjoying yourself, you're just ultimately consistently disappointing yourself and, and settling, really. Real quick, let me jump in here and say this. Um, if you have a question or a comment, um, Jeff, you don't mind taking a lot of questions and people have them, do you? No, go ahead. Okay, so if somebody does have a question or comment, um, again, you guys can call it at 929-477-2304. That's 929-477-2304, and press the number 1. That will let us know that you have a question or a comment. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Because <clears throat> you had a question? <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, so um... – I know one thing people always ask is, um, how do you know when somebody is the one? Like, when do you know to stop and just, you know, go through it all with that person? Like, the road may be rocky, but that person is the person, so it's worth the rocks. How do you know that? Um, so I don't believe in the one, right? I don't, I don't believe that there is one person on this earth you know, for all of us, I believe there are hundreds, maybe even thousands. Um, I, I ultimately believe that two people that are compatible can make it work, right? Because, like, when you share the same morals and values and life goals, the things that are genuinely important to you, you guys will have that in common, and it, it won't be a problem. So let me give you an example. Um, I'm Christian, right? Uh, and so I wouldn't be compatible with an atheist. Right, because you know things like how we raise our children 
or, you know, me wanting to go to church on Sunday and having my family in church on Sunday is very important to me. That's something that would, you know, make me really unhappy in my, in my relationship. And in that case, that's something that's a deal breaker. Um, uh-huh. When we think of life goals, I'm a person that likes to travel. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur full-time. I love everything about entrepreneurship, and I'm not the type of person that's just going to, you know, take one vacation a year, work a nine-to-five, and, you know, have that everyday same routine. And so I wouldn't be compatible with someone who, you know, wants your typical white picket fence, which there's nothing wrong with that, um, but, you know, they don't like to travel or they don't like, taking chances on investing into entrepreneurship. That is something that would genuinely make our relationship a challenge, right? But if I (laughs) focus on only being with people who I'm compatible with, we share the same world, we share the same values and life goals, the things that really matter when it comes down to it, you can always make it work because those things you have. Everything else you might just, you know, there are things, there are other things that you might disagree on, but they're not going to be deal breakers for you. And so ultimately what single people want to do is really sit down and think about what is important to them when it comes down to their morals, their values, and their life goals. And this list shouldn't be, you know, 10, 15, 20 things. It should be somewhere around maybe five to seven areas that's really important to you, and you want to date people who also share that as well. And as long as you have those, you can work on everything else. The things that make you who you are, that, you know, determines how you live life, how you, how you look at life, how you um, see right from wrong, and, you know, ultimately how you want to live your life, if you share that with someone, you can make it work. But it's just a decision. It's not really, a, um, you know, we two are meant to be. It's, it's two people that come together and say, hey, we want the same things out of life. Um, we, we, we share the same morals and values, and so let's make this work. Let's commit to making that work. And it's more about that decision than it is having found the one. I like that. Okay. So I have a question. Yeah. So, yeah. Kelly, if, so since you're, if you're matching someone, do you send mm-hmm. them out on several dates, or do you think uh, people should date? you know, one person for a particular time, or what's the process that you should go about wanting to date multiple people? Yeah, I absolutely uh, send them out on multiple dates. Um, and so you're single until you commit it to someone. So ultimately, um, I, I suggest most people are dating two to three people at a time, but dating does not mean physically or sexually involved. Right, that means getting to know this right. person, um, mm-hmm. learning if you're compatible with this person, and this is someone that you can see yourself with long term. And so, once you get to the point to where you meet someone and they're like, "Hey, you know what? We want to try and take this to the next level." That's when you then move everybody else out of the way. But until then, you should absolutely be dating and, and meeting multiple people because it's a numbers game. <laughs> it really is a numbers <laughs> game, and, it, and it's about. Um, dating people you're compatible with. So, you know, the way numbers work, just like everything else, the more opportunities you give yourself to date somebody that you're compatible with, the more likely you are to have a successful relationship. And and, and the the way that we choose compatibility, which is in the matchmaking and coaching world, morals, values, and life goals, is actually based on real research that has found that's what people who are in long-term happy marriages have in common. So, you know, it's not something that we just, we're just throwing out there, but that really is what makes uh, successful relationships. 
Can you have a question? Is there, yeah, is there like a criteria um, that you, 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 I know that there's like a whole, there's matchmaking, everybody has their own special way of doing things, but do you, are you more of a um, questionnaire type matchmaker? Because this whole business is just so, it's awesome to me, but then it's so confusing in that because I know love and love is so individual. So I wonder what is your, what, what is it to the process of making it so that you can, you can individualize it as from a business standpoint, I can only imagine you have to somewhat normalize it for yourself. You've got to some somehow kind of give yourself a system. So just from the back end of what you what you do, I, I'm kind of interested in that. What is how did you come about your process? Um, so lots of research and learning, you know, from other successful matchmakers and just finding out what they've done. Um, what I think is, is really great about um, the matchmakers in this country is that we all tend to work together. You know, we're we're all in a, the professional matchmakers who have active businesses. We're all in you know Facebook groups where we share information and knowledge with each other. Um, I think my experience is similar to a lot of other matchmakers. I actually used to work in the recruiting industry, and so mm-hmm. a, a huge part of matchmaking is recruiting, right? Because we get the clients, and then we find out who they're compatible with through conversation with them, we agree on the terms that, okay, this, this is what you're looking for in, in regards to your moral values and life goals, then my job is, is to go out and turn every rock <laughs> and try to find one. Yeah, I mean, cause, and that's the most challenging part, actually, of the matchmaking is is recruiting, going out and finding other singles that your client is compatible with and has some level of attraction to. Now, an important part, though, also is my process um, because the reality is is that matchmakers can't take on everyone as clients. And I know I know in my case I I, um, I opt out of taking people as clients more than I actually take people as clients. And not because <laughs> not because I want to, um, but the reality is is when someone is is working with a matchmaker and um, they're being introduced to a matchmaker's clients. They're they're looking for someone who is already working on being their best self. So most matchmakers are only going to work with people who are already prepared to meet someone. So if there is a lot of coaching that's still necessary, um, maybe they don't, you know, they're not confident. Maybe they're not um, taking care of themselves, uh, whether that's you know taking care of their body or um, a positive mindset. Um, if if they're not ready to meet someone, there's nothing a matchmaker can do, right? And that's where the coaching comes in. That person needs more coaching to prepare themselves to meet someone um, versus actually just being introduced to people because some people aren't meeting the right people because they're not ready. You know, they're not being the person that attracts the type of person they desire. And so they think, you know, okay, I'm going to come to a matchmaker, and therefore a matchmaker is going to make it all, you know, even, no, we're not magicians, you know. We can go find people. But is that person going to want to be with you as the person you are right now? So that's where the coaching comes in of preparing people to be to work on being the best version of themselves so they can attract the type of person they desire. Nice. That's a good question, though. <laughs> yeah. so, you, just, so you do this. This is through, all new. Sorry, to me. Make, I, <laughs> yeah. Did you? So you do this through like a question. You do like a excuse me a question air when you talk to people? I mean, do you just watch them? And then the other part I was going to ask is, 
I mean, do you use a lot of social media in terms of, you know, before how you're, how you're, if you're going to take somebody on? Like, do you go to their Facebook page and be like, nah, they're not ready? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, so I do two pieces. Um, first, we do a phone interview, and then we do a face-to-face interview if they're in Chicago, or we do a Skype interview if they are in another city, which I work with. Um, women outside of Chicago, men and women outside of Chicago as well. So, yeah, I absolutely search their social media um, to see what they're posting on social media, if their pages are public. I'll go look at their LinkedIn pages. Um, I ask them a lot of questions, open-ended questions to really get genuine responses. So it's not as simple of a questionnaire as what are you looking for, who are you interested in. I, I really learn about them, you know. I ask them questions to to see if if, if – they're one of those angry <laughs> people, you know. Uh-huh. You know, so and you can tell because if I ask the question like, you know, what has been your challenges in dating, and they start listing a thousand things that's wrong with all the men that they've dated or all the women that they've dated, then I know that's a person that's not holding themselves accountable, right? So uh-huh. um, it, it's it's definitely I do two interviews, a phone interview first and then a face-to-face interview, and then I definitely go look on their social media and just get a feel for what type of person they are, what type of energy they carry, and, you know, see if this is someone that I want to work with because most of my contracts are long-term. So this Mm -hmm. is someone I'll be with for a year working with, coaching and introducing people to, and I want to make sure it's someone that I would enjoy working with. Uh A year, really? Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, we worked together for a year, um, and it, it's, it's coaching as well as introduction. So um, my clients have the ability to text me, uh, you know, whenever they want to text me and just say, hey, this is how I'm feeling um, about this last date, or I just got the phone with this guy, this is what he said, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what he's thinking, I don't know how to respond to this. Um, or it could be something as simple as, um, hey, I haven't been on a date in three, four years, you know, I've seen that where I had clients who haven't been on a date in six years, right? So how does that person get back into the dating world? You know, so I help prepare them for that before I introduce them to someone. So it's definitely a process, and and most people are getting six or more introductions over that year. Wow. Interesting. Because you had something? Taking notes. Taking notes? What have you taken notes on so far? Uh, that one, I probably need to open up and pay a little more attention. Um, that two, um, I think it all really just goes into the paying more attention. Like, I just need to pay more attention. Yeah. Because it's pretty knowledgeable stuff. And I'm learning that when I shut up and open my ears, there's things to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think one of the one of the hard parts is one of the hard the hard things about dating now is that like you said, first of all, there's this unrealistic expectation and the fact that especially at all of us on the phone are around the same, are on in the show is about the same uh, age, but that you've usually already gone through something that 
has either been real catastrophic, you know, like divorce, really bad breakups, you know, stuff like that. So you've got these unrealistic expectations, plus you've got the um, fear of, you know, of, you know, from what happened in your past, kind of all, and you've got this weird, what I call like weird vortex that dating kind of seems to be be like now, because if you're like myself, who's divorced, then you've been out the gate, out the dating world for, you know, a long time. It's like, you know, it's like uh, a dry, you know, walking into very fast traffic. And so it kind of takes mm-hmm. on. So how do you, if, how do you, Jasmine, suggest somebody kind of navigate through that world or how do you kind of guide people through that? Well, so you just listed a, a few uh, different examples, and in each of those, it would be a different process. So, for example, the person who had a really bad dating experience or a really bad experience, you know, from a divorce, they've been burned, and they have that fear of being burned again, they're going to have to work through that before they can actually give somebody a real chance, or they're just going to carry that with them, right? So if I have a client that has had that experience, we, we really genuinely work on that and, and identifying what those fears are. Um, and a, a lot of times our fear is, is, and this is kind of going a little bit deep in the culture, but a lot of times our fear is of experiencing the emotion again. It's, it's not as much of like, you know, hey, I don't, I don't want to um, be cheated on again. It's I don't want to feel the emotion of sadness after being cheated on again. And so it's the emotion that we're running from, not the actual experience. Right, and so what what I do in those cases is I help people to get comfortable with all emotions. So you know, you're afraid of sadness, you're afraid of anger, you're afraid of embarrassment, you're afraid of loneliness. Um, but in reality, if we genuinely become vulnerable and open ourselves up to someone, those are emotions that we could experience. That's just a part of dating. That's a part of relationships, and that's a part of marriage a lot of times. So what I do is, in that case, is I help someone Mm. understand how to deal with those emotions and no longer fear those emotions. So I get them to a place to where even when they experience if and even when they experience a pain like sadness or loneliness or embarrassment, they can still handle it. And so, therefore, that fear is no longer in the way because they're confident in their, their ability to still keep going if that experience happens again. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, so in that yeah. case, we would work. We would work on handling emotion. We wouldn't focus as much on you know the fear itself, but the the real the the real thing they're running from is that emotion. So I, I help that person become comfortable experiencing all types of emotions: happy emotions, you know, bad emotions that we don't want to experience. And and that way, once you feel comfortable knowing that no matter what happens in this relationship and in this marriage, you're going to be okay. You're not exactly. so guarded. Yep. You're comfortable being vulnerable. Yep. Yeah. That'll that preach. So, that'll preach. Say what? I said that'll preach too, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that probably is, is, is one of the biggest things that I work with my clients on. Because um, even the people that haven't experienced horrible marriages, they've experienced something in a relationship that made them afraid to experience that again. And so one thing we have to do in our community in general is just learn how to handle emotions, right? Because what we do is 
when when we when we are hurt, let's say for example we're sad. Instead of us saying, you know, going through a process of, of saying, you know, I'm sad, recognizing what emotion you're experiencing by saying I'm sad, I, I don't enjoy feeling this way, acknowledging it, um, and then saying, but I'm going to be okay. So reminding yourself you're going to be okay and, and then doing a switch to change um, how you're feeling at the time, what we do instead is, we think, oh, I'm sad and I'm going to be sad forever. So we take that emotion out of the present and we put it in the future. And Hmm. that's when we have these really dark moments, right? And so once we learn, once we learn. That's a people thing. (laughs) That's not a single thing. That's a people thing right there. (laughs) It's a people thing. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It's it's a people thing, but but a lot of people in dating experience that because, you know, something can trigger that emotion so quickly. They're, the new guy they're dating, mm-hmm. don't call him back right away. Or, you know, he didn't answer the phone. Or somebody told him they saw him at the club, and that will trigger that fear of the emotion they experienced from a past experience, right? So when that emotion comes, that, that fear comes of the emotion, um, how do you handle that? And, and that's what a lot of people don't know how to do. And, 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 yeah. and that's where um, – one of the things I see that we, we struggle with in our community is vulnerability. That's huge. Vulnerability is huge. And in order to genuinely um, genuinely allow someone to see who you are, you have to be comfortable being vulnerable. But you can't do that when you have not become comfortable experiencing emotions because you're always going to be trying to protect yourself from experiencing that emotion. Mm. A good one. Mm. That's true. Mm. That's true. Mm. Well, I think what I, what I think that that you said that I think mm. that most people need to recognize. We've talked about this too before. Is that what is that um is that sometimes we don't realize or don't understand how the experiences we have in dating translate to marriage, and what you just mm-hmm. said is is key in that sometimes that same thing happens in marriage. Like when you can be married and still yeah. Feel like that, so that's that's crucial. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is um, people forget in marriages, you're still gonna be disappointed. <laughs> Your spouse <laughs> is still, and, and, and he's human or she's human. Disappointment yeah. is still uh, possible and even likely, right? Yes. But yes, what do you do yes. when that happens? You know, so what, what do you do when that happens? That's the important part. Do, do you do you fall apart and, you know, place that yeah. emotion in the future and say, oh, my God, I'm going to be so sad forever, and you think about how you're always going to feel this way, or do you learn how to handle that emotion and move forward with your relationship? That's good. All right, Jasmine, we had a question. Uh, somebody, somebody on the post said, do you need a, a, a match? Personally, they, they want to know if they can match with you. I I do not need a match, but thank you. (laughs) You got (laughs) right. (laughs) No, but let our um, also by the way, I know you just started a YouTube channel um, and whatnot. Did you just Uh start your channel, or is that something you've been doing for a while? Uh, It's been up for probably about a year now. I'm I'm starting to be a little bit more consistent with it. So you can you can find me on YouTube, uh, uh, Jazz J A S loves L O V E S love. So Jazz loves love. 
L-O-V-E, three separate words. Um, and I actually have courses on my website as well. So one of those is about situationships. So for anyone who is experiencing situationships and you want to know what you should do to either um, show him how to see the value in you or make the decision to leave, I have a course for that, um, and you can find that on the website at blackmatchmade.com backslash situationships. Blackmatchmade.com backslash situationships. Backslash situationships, yeah. Okay. All right. And then if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Yeah, find me on the website, blackmatchmade.com, and you can also find me on social media, Jazz Loves Love, Instagram, Jazz Loves Love, as well as YouTube, of course. All right, we definitely appreciate you for being on tonight. You are awesome. And for those of you guys who don't know, Jazz is going to be with us at the uh, Relationship Forum next month, so you guys will get to hear more about more from her as well. Um, so she's going to be on the panel. Um, so y'all make sure y'all come out. Obviously, she's dope and got a lot of great things to say. So we appreciate you for being on tonight. Um, and, and, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. This was a great time. Thank you guys for having me. All right, thank, thank you. you for coming. Thank you for coming. All right, y'all. Did we, y'all Kelly, you learned something? Yeah, I learned a little something. I wish I'd take a little something away. Because <laughs> how, how many pages did you take? Yeah, I'm enlightened. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, like I said, I'm going to start closing my mouth a little more and listening a lot more. Okay. All right. All right. What's up? All right. We're going to go ahead real quick and take a break. We've got, um, after this, we got a, we see, we'll take a break. We got Chicago by Yugochi. And then after this, we got Passion, uh, our Passion Talk by our um, our favorite, one of our favorite people, Miss Cicely Victoria. So um, we're going to do Passion Talk. And then after that, see, we're going to do, do this song, Chicago. And then after that, we got Passion Talk. Um, coming at the top of the next hour. This is The Scoop, and we will be right back. This is my bright song From the night to the shy Gubon Long and I see 
Loving all of that yeah. verb. Yes, I was. 
Yes, I was. So great to connect with you all on tonight. Hello um, out in Scoop Land. To all of our listeners, I appreciate you. This is Sisley Victoria, owner and founder of Passion International. My business tree is to help train and equip people to find their voice of identity so they can stop people pleasing and be empowered, encourage confidence and communication. I'm a certified professional coach, counselor as well, you guys. I am the queen of empowerment. I set people's lives on fire for a living, and that's why they call me the fire starter. Welcome to Passion Talk, where we give you practical tools for everyday living so you can press into your personal power. This is part two of Secrets to a Satisfied Soul. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Secrets to a Satisfied Soul. Yes. So, let's remind ourselves um, of where we've been, right, and establish, you know, our footing so we can launch from there. So first and foremost, okay, um, you know I'm a wordsmith, so we're going to get down with our uh, verbiage, right, and our understanding of what words are. So satisfied, just in case we uh, do not have an awareness of what it means to be satisfied, it means to be certain. We're talking about our souls here, which a lot of people like to translate into your mind, your willing, your emotions, your imagination, your intellect. So we're talking about secrets of a satisfied soul, a certain soul, a compensated soul, a contented soul, convinced, a filled soul, a fulfilled soul, a gratified soul, a happy soul, a paid soul, a positive soul, a quenched soul. That's my that's my favorite job. And a requited soul. Okay. So so listen. If you want to know, okay, what is the secret to have a satisfied soul, we are going to deliver for you on today as we did on last week, okay? We are here to save the day. So um, recapping, reviewing, um, the first four secrets to a satisfied soul is that you got to start with humility. And remember, um, these are all kind of successive in order. They're all growing and building on the previous ones. So you can actually look at these um, as building blocks. Um, and this is kind of a, a order that you want to go in because, you know, we don't do that a lot of times. But this, these um, secrets in particular, you want to build on top of another. So as my girl, uh, the matchmaker, I think is what her name, uh, her business represented Jasmine, I believe her name is, was uh, continually emphasizing vulnerability, right? So you got to start there. Yes, I was over here, turned up when she was talking about that. Okay, so you got to start with the vulnerability. You got to start with the humility. You got to start with the brokenness, okay? You got to um, start with accountability, being open to moral criticism, all right? Um, and then once you go from there, a vulnerable person will be more uh, apt and more willing to be honest, um, to be willing to be trusted. Fed, trustworthy, tell the truth, have integrity. Okay, and then when you go from there, then you are able to have a greater level of introspection, introspection, observation or examination of one's own mental and emotional state, right? Not your neighbor, but your own, okay? So you're able to have a greater level of introspection, looking on on that beautiful inside and see what's going on. And then when you have a greater level of introspection, then you're able to have a greater level of awareness. And awareness is kind of that outrospection if you will. It is how we engage with our world, with our society, with our people, with ourselves. Your awareness level will increase tremendously after you spend a significant amount of time 
introspecting, okay? That is the key. That's the secret, y'all. So those are the first four um, for the recap for part one. Going into part two on today, uh, secret number five, secret number five. Once you have greater levels of awareness externally, and knowing how to be a, a greater sensitized to your world and to your society, if you will, you are then able to live a more preventative life. Yes, I said a preventative. I love this term. It is the way that I live. I wouldn't have it any other way. I've lived this way, I think, for most of my days. <laughs> okay. So what does that mean, preventative? Meaning the opposite of preventative is not reactive, okay? So a lot of people live in a reactive state. They live in the aftermath. They live in a responsive state. But I want you to know the secret of living in a preventative state, okay? And the definition for preventative is serving to prevent or hinder. Some of the synonyms are precaution, preventive, protective, remedy. Oh, Lord, let me tell you about this. So I coined a term called the firefighter syndrome, okay? And a lot of people who live in a reactive state um, are, ha- are, um, have what I call a firefighter syndrome. And so as we know, what do firefighters do for a living, right? They put out fires. They put out fires all day. And so that fire can be um, symbolic of drama basically. And so really those who live in reactive states, they are conditioned to respond to drama all of their lives, okay? So basically they're just waiting for the next drama-filled episode um, to be able to respond to whoever, whether they induce it themselves or somebody's going to bring it in their path, they set themselves up to have a firefighter syndrome and they really get stuck in a limbo there because there can really be no acceleration because you really stay stagnant uh, because you're just being reactive. But when you have preventative measures, that's, that's equated to a plan. You have a plan as to how you can avoid unnecessary pitfalls. Now, of course, um, we're going to have surprises in life, right? Life um, does give us side swipes. Life does have its blind spots, and we can't prepare for it all. But the problem is that many people don't prepare for most um, of things that are really sensical in nature as far as things that you can do in order to prevent foolishness from entering into your life. And, see, that's why I can't relate to most people because I don't have drama in my life. I don't understand people who are comfortable in living in a state of drama their own life, their whole life. I just don't get these people. I am convinced that these people are those more than likely they don't have a fortified identity, and so ergo, they have to kick up dust and stir up drama and egg things on in order to feel like they have a similitude of um, worthiness, a similitude of something going on in their lives, a similitude of productivity, but really all it is is you're being reactive and you're being dramatic. Cut it out, okay? Have a preventative life, all right? Let's go ahead and um, prevent fires from getting started before they even start. I know I'm the fire starter, but I like to kick up healthy fires, okay? But these unnecessary fires and these foolish fires, we need to put those fires out because they're, they, we don't have no time for that. So firefighter syndrome, living a drama-filled, reactive life opposed to a peaceful, preventative life. So a secret of having to a satisfy. So number five, live a life of prevention. 
live a life of to be preventative. Number six is when you live a life of prevention and being preventative, you can have greater optimism, greater level of optimism. I love it. I am the queen of optimism. What is that? It is a disposition or tendency to look on the more favorable side of events or conditions and to expect the most favorable outcome. you got to have an expectancy that everything is going to be great. Everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be, you know, on the winning side for me. Um, the belief that good ultimately predominates over evil in the world. You have to fix your perception right in order to understand that it's not based on the, the things that you see or the facts that you behold. It's based on the posture that you position yourself in and the mindset that you conditioned and you're determined to preserve. That's what it's really about. You have to be optimistic, a belief that goodness pervades your reality. I'm, I don't know about anything else, but I, I have a good, good life. I serve a good, good father. And goodness pervades my reality. I mean, sometimes I got to pinch myself how good my life is. See, it's not. It's not based on uh, what what is going on um, tangibly, right? It's a, there is nothing, nothing, nothing more more fulfilling than a satisfied soul. I mean, good God. I, I can't emphasize it enough. When, when you have optimism and you already know what the end is before the beginning, Goodness, okay, mm-hmm. you can live a, a more fulfilled life. I'm telling you, what is optimism? It's calmness, it's certainty, it's cheerfulness, it's confidence, it's easiness, it's elation, it's encouragement, it is idealism, it's, it's sanguineness, it's sureness, it's trust, okay? There's that word again. We're not cursing, all right? We're going to learn to trust, okay, more so in our lives, okay, have greater levels of optimism. That's number six. Number seven, when you're able to have greater levels of optimism, you become a solutionist. Oh, I love it. You become a solutionist. And because I'm the queen of optimism, I am also a solutionist. Listen. I have already determined I have this saying in my life. I really don't have problems, okay? I only have solutions, and I believe that to the core of me, all right? I don't do problems. I really don't, okay? I only do solutions. What is a solutionist? It is one who predetermines that there are no such thing as problems, only solutions. You see how you have to make a decision in order for that to be the case? you got to decide first, okay? Because problems are connoted with uh, um, uh, we, we talked about catabolic energy. It's problems are uh, connoted with a draining energy. It brings you low. And, and I refuse to have anything to come into my sphere, especially if I didn't self-induce it, that will bring me low. I'm too anabolic, okay? I have too much of a building and life-giving energy and source and force in order for that to be in my space. So I encourage everyone to uh, for this secret to a satisfied soul to become a solutionist, become one who makes decisions, become one who has judgment, you know how to measure a thing, have an opinion, change your perception, um, be on purpose with it, have a resolve, come up with some resolution, settle a matter. Hello, come up with some settlement and a solution, okay? And the, the end, as far as a solution is, is concerned, this is really what it boils down to. People, I encourage you to become a bottom line person. That's who I am. I'm a bottom line person. Okay, and what is a bottom line person? It is they they focus on what's the big picture. 
They focus on how can we come back to our center. What is our center, ladies and gentlemen? It's our values. It's our end goal. It's where we started, right? Sometimes you can get skewed along the path and you forgot where you actually were supposed to, you know, stay at, right? Sometimes we get lost along the way. So you come back to your center. Become a bottom-line person. Look for the opportunity, and, and if it's not available, then create it. How about that? And then don't take no for an answer, all right, when you are a solutionist. That is the number seven secret. And number eight secret is continence. Once you're able to do all of that, you guys, let me see, what all have we done? We have gone from vulnerability, and then we're able to be more honest, and then we go into introspection. We take that into awareness, and then we come preventative, and then after that we have high optimism, and then when we get optimism we become a solutionist, and finally with that you are then contented. Number eight is contentedness, the secret to a satisfied soul. When you are contented, you are satisfied with what you have and what you don't have. You are not wanting more or anything else, okay? It doesn't mean that you cease to strive. It doesn't mean that you cease to hunger. It means that at whatever state you're in, as Paul said, you've learned to be content. I, I have a satisfied state. I know how to be a base and abound. And guess what? I don't change my character depending on how much is in my bank account, right? I am still uh, a person that's filled with peace and contentedness. And then what is contentment? It's affluence. I love it. It's calm. It's calmness. It's casualness. You smooth. When you continue, you smooth. You're not thirsty. You're not desperate. You're not, you know what I'm saying, just grasping for straws. No, 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 no. You, you don't settle. When you're contented, you have comfort. You have easiness. You have enjoyment, and you are gratified. And so listen, everyone, there are secrets to a satisfied soul. It does not have to evade you. If you have a soul that's just wrecked with havoc and depression and stress and, you know, less and all of this, you don't have to be that way. I encourage you that you meditate on these secrets to a satisfied soul and get you some help, okay? It starts with you, all right? And if you can't do it, then give me a call, all right? And I will help you through your process. <laughs> you can contact me at firestarterpassion at gmail.com, firestarterpassion at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Facebook. We can work through this together, okay? I'm a massive, I give massive accountability to my clients. And listen, I, I, you know, they just, you just can't do any better, okay, in the way of empowerment <laughs> and development. So I just, you know, want to encourage you out there. Secrets to a satisfied soul is a process. It's a journey, but you can get there sooner than later. You got to commit and you got to decide today that it's going to be yours, all right? Questions and comments. I love y'all. Mm. Go for it. Woo. <laughs> Foolish Fires wanted me had me almost in your PayPal. About to send you a good old love offering, honey, because oh, Foolish Fires did it need. for me. Girl, listen. Yes. <laughs> Which one did it for you, honey? Which one? That foolish, when you spoke about people and their oh, foolish fire, foolish you became fire. firefighters mm. for foolish fire. Like, foolish fire, honey. Yes, ma'am. Because yeah. mm. that's Hashtag so much of what we do. That foolish fire. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. can't do it. Yes. Life gives us enough real life fires. We don't Come need any extra foolish yes. ones. <laughs> create some, so yeah, that one was create some living that. fires, okay? Enough of these foolish fires for the pretension of having significance. Okay, come yeah. on. Death to these foolish fires. 
Get somewhere and sit down. Hey, listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Listen, I love y'all to life, okay? I love you, Scoop. Uh, listeners out there, you know how to reach out to me. If there are no more questions and comments, I'm Cicely Victoria. Listen, owner and founder of Passion International. I'm the queen of empowerment. I set people's lives on fire for a living. That's why they call me the fire starter. You are just listening to Passion Talk. Well, we have you you practical tools for everyday living so you can press into your personal power. You got work to do. Go out there and work it. Get lit. Stay passionate. I love y'all. Until next time. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I, just want to I had a message flash. She said, work it. <laughs> As a business person, yeah. I just want to say if you cannot, if you cannot, Regurgitate what you do the way that woman does. You got work. To Man, do. Um, every time she says it the exact same way, the exact same cadence. The exa- I mean, like mm-hmm. she knows she can. Yeah, she been. She does that. That's what's up. Anyway, does she does she call it business yeah. tree? Like her business ministry? I love that. Business tree? Yeah, this is the first time I heard that. that real quick. Oh, you are <laughs> very experimental. Yeah. 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 I did not yeah. expect a real picture of that. my camera.
end of me. Yet it strengthened and it also refined me to be an exquisite reflection of the Creator's love and glory. There's no need now for others' approval because I'm deeply loved from heaven above. I know who and who I am now. I know my worth and my purpose. I'm graceful, confident, and free. From a caterpillar to a butterfly. Yes, unapologetically. Right. That's all right. Unapologetically. I was practicing the whole way through the song. It's like you sing the mirror like <laughs> unapologetically. Unapologetically. You had to sing it like you sing it in the song. <laughs> oh, no, that's oh, a that's hey, hey, hey. I just got it down. <laughs> I'm not going to try singing it. I just got the word down. <laughs> Rashad over there, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. I hope I don't have to say it again. If I do, I'm about to get it all the way together. All the way. I ain't going to miss it this time. Unapologetically. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> well, this brings to the uh, of the night. One of our funnest segments, which they're all fun, but you know, we like to get crazy on this part. Let our hair down. <laughs> so, um, this, <laughs> this segment is brought to you by Curvy Kitten Clothing, where self is perfection, and we are um, servicing women of all sizes that love to show off their curves. So, get you some Curvy Kitten today at www.curvykitten.com kittens.com. So, hot topic <laughs> is it's a, actually it's a photo and it has it has these words on it and we'll we'll get into it. Rent is $1200. Utilities are $350. How much should the man pay? And then it says yes, they live together. So, we're assuming some type of a relationship where the they're not married. Doesn't say if they're married, but it says they are living together. So rent is twelve hundred. Utilities are three hundred and fifty dollars. How much should the man pay? So I'm going to start with the men. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm on back and I'm going to start with the ladies. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what do you say about what the man should pay? Lord, uh. <laughs> you got your cat out over there. What's going on, man? I just <laughs> this just it. I think that this should work. No, I'm not going to give that answer. <laughs> no, I am. I'm going to say what I feel because this is just silly to me that this even gets to be 200 some odd comments. Like I really think that the husband and wife sit down, they get their bills together. 
and they say we need to pay bills. Now, I don't see any husband with any love for his wife making his wife pay, like, all of her money so she's left with no money at the end of the month trying to go this easy-peasy down-the-middle-half situation. But I think that a couple should find the fairness in taking care of their household that they share and pay fair amounts of the bills. Now, I've seen some com- some companies, well, something like a company, but some marriages <laughs> where they will, I mean, and it is, because you got to get it done. There's targets, there's objectives, you got to get it done, and then you can be warm and fuzzy later. So a lot of it is like a business, but you, you get all of it together and you say, okay, I'll pay the bills to keep the lights on, you know, to keep us floating, and you pay the extras. If we're going out to eat, uh, you know, our expense, our extras, um, the cable, the smaller bills, then she gets to pay. Whoever has a lesser amount of income would then take care of the luxury, so to speak, or the extras. But as far as the keeping the roof on, the lights on, the water running, and the heat around our bodies, then that might be, you know, something that you split or take a proportion of. But the numbers that were given in this meme, like, it was just – that we get so caught up on those types of things. And I just think that when it comes down to it, you're sitting across from each other at the dinner table and you're getting your bills together, you're not going to say, well, you made 1200 and I made 300 So why would you? Like, y'all don't need to be married. If those are the conversations that y'all are having right then, then you should not be at the table together. Y'all need to go back to the co- the cafe table and figure out why y'all are together because that's not the uh, that's you, not the conversation in my in my opinion. Are, so I think you, you figure out what's fair. Go ahead. But I said, but they're not married. So if they're not married, what, what do you do? Oh, if they're not married, then still has to be fair. Like, cause you know, it still has to be fair. Like, I mean, because then you ain't never gonna get married. Like, why would you split an unfair portion with somebody if there's not that's not the goal? Like, hell no. Like, no, <laughs> that you will never become a married couple if you are doing this whole you make more than me mess. If we share bills. We finna share this money and get these bills paid, and then we'll figure out extras and play money after the fact. But like, are you a child? Will you still? Well, where's my money? I just want to go get my girl boobs, just like dealers do. Like, put your money in the pot and play pay the bill. Like, that's stupid to me. And I'm sorry if you did whoever did that's dumb, and you're gonna be on your own. Like, that's because it's just not it's not realistic and it's selfish. Not as I don't I don't. The whole, the man pays this and the woman pays that. No, if your mindset is, I, 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 I need to have my at the end of the month, I need to do my at the end, you are selfish and you are not prepared for marriage. Whether you be man or woman, that is not the mindset to enter into a marriage with. Sorry. That's just how I feel about that. So, there you go. You got my two cents. <laughs> Cause what now, carry on. I got hot in the seat now. <laughs> I am. I'm hot. I'm gonna move my hair up now. I'm hot. What? I think. I think we got a dime in this. I think we got a dime. I think it was more than two billion. A little bit. We got a dime. You started with me. You knew what you was doing. topic of money just always gets everybody out, you know, gets everybody in their own little corners of emotion, I guess I want to say. Um, but every time I read these quotes like this, and and really my answer most of the time comes from the examples that I've had because I've, I've uh, only lived, I've only shacked once. So. Uh-huh. 
fluctuation of the bill paying was was crazy. It was you know, it was my fiance before we almost got married but didn't. But anyway, um, you know, when most of the time if he, he had a he was making more than me, so he would pay you know, pretty much he would pay the rent and I would pay everything else. Um, but my parents, the way I remember it, my dad pretty much paid everything, and then you know my mom would would pitch in at some. Point. But like my mom retired early when I was in high school, so you know, again, that was like my dad paying everything. So I guess I don't take offense um, at the question. I just I, I, it boils down to what works for for you because nobody's gonna be sitting there. If you, um, you know, involved with somebody or living with somebody and you say, oh, the man's supposed to be paying the rent. He don't make enough to pay this $1,200 rent. I don't think anybody's going to be that crazy to be like, well, you find a way to pay it if you have the money to pay it. So I think um, a couple of people commented, you know, some people said the man should pay all. Um, some people said 50-50. Oh, I was going to read one comment before we go to the men. Uh, one person stated it shouldn't be about men or women coming together and paying it down. If you don't want to deal with that person, you shouldn't be living with them anyway. Which is basically what uh, Miss Q has said over here. So uh, I think that you know, that's probably the most adult way to think about it just because the you know, the way we date, live or whatever, all of that is so so different now. So it's really just catered and my opinion is just going to be but I want to hear what the men have to say about it. So, Would everyone wants to go first, jump in. I'm gonna be as general as the meme is, and not add no commas, no nothing. Half. <laughs> that's because that's what the memes say. Half. Anything else is you know generated conversation outside of it. Um. Do I, I mean, okay, I guess I will for the sake of radio. Do I think that going in knowing that rent is 1200 a young man should be situating himself to make enough that if there was a chance where, you know, his girl was the you should pay more than half type, he should be in a situation with his money to where either A, he's smart enough to not get into that rent, or B, he's smart enough to have the money to cover his and a little more or a lot more. You know what I mean? But at the same time, half. Okay. For what about you? I'm old school. Um, I'm old school. I think that my goal, again, I, I say that my goal is I think if I'm going first of all, first of all, let me throw this out that I probably will never, ever, I don't agree with necessarily with, with the whole living before you're married part. <clears throat> but if I were going to do that, I would do it under the understanding that I'm paying for everything. I'm old school. Um, and so if I do get to the point where I'm living with somebody, uh, it's because we're either at the point of marriage or you're getting ready to get married or, you know, this is somebody who we have that type of relationship with. I have that relationship with, meaning I trust them with my money. I trust that, you know, that they're not just going to run off with, you know, that they're not going to run off for, you know what I mean? And I'm going to set my budget up in a way where I can still, you know, meet my savings goals and stuff like that. 
So me personally, I'm gonna pay all of it. Now, again, are there are there gonna be times when maybe you know you can't do that? I mean, that's life. Um, then then that's when to Q's point where you sit down and you work through to say, okay, right now I can't pay everything. Um, you know, I can cover you know the rent and the car notes. Can you cover the other stuff? You know what I mean? You you kind of work it out then. But again. That if I think when you get to that level, it's got to be ultra serious and to the point where having the money discussion is not about who pays what, but what's best for us moving forward. And how do we get to the place where we are financially secure as a couple <coughs> when you're going to live together? And then and the cool part about this and the thing I love about the money money discussions is money discussions are really – um, one of the few discussions that determine whether or not a couple should really be together. Because as Jasmine talked about before, you're going to look at your value system and your morals, and your money says a lot about your value system and your morals. So if we can't sit down and figure out what's the what's best for us um, financially, then we're not ready to move in. We're not ready to move in. Because marriage gets marriage is so much, you know, you have that plus a whole bunch of other stuff. So that's just, but again, oh. that's me. I am that's me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stir the pot a little bit, and I want to apologize to the listeners. And any um, I did state earlier that there would be a uh, giveaway, a curvy kitten giveaway during this hot topic. So what I'm gonna do is any Body who calls in to discuss this hot topic, the first caller will get a free curvy hidden item. So, sending that out over the airwaves. Let me hang up and dial back in real quick. Let me hang up and call back in. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, (laughs) Shreya, I'm trying. (laughs) But, So I just want to oh, we got a, oh, we got a caller. Hold on. Ring, ring. Hey. In this thing. Dang it, dang Let me in. Call it 3132. You are on the airline. Kels, you killed it with the curvy kitten pitch. This is Eunice from Dallas. You killed it. Hi, Eunice, honey. Hey. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, but I had to call in. Yes, Man. you are. Yes, that is. <laughs> oh, and Boo, you already but you know what So, you know, yeah, I'm going to get you. You're going to get something. You're going to get something. Okay, okay so, so to answer the hot topic, this is my take on it. Being married, I don't think a lot of people can really speak on this, and no offense to the single people, unless they've been in that situation. Obviously, if you're living together, then this is long term. So I think, for me, you just put it all together. I, I love the standard that Winford said, yes, he is the man, and a lot of men do believe that way because they were raised that way, but coming from a single-parent home and having to take care of everything all the time, um, that that would be a challenge for, you know, a single mother, I guess I should say, coming into a relationship. So that would be worthy of a real serious conversation, um, a very hard conversation, again, coming from having to provide for her children. And if things aren't met, what are you going to do? How do you make ends meet? What, you know, how do you resolve conflicts if there's a situation that has to be arranged or rearranged financially? So, 
for me, um, that would be a hard, that would be one of the first conversations that we have if we're looking long-term in marriage. Um, so I would not hate that the man that I'm going to be with wants to cover all of that. I'm good with that, though. Like, go ahead. Savings <laughs> over here. Just in case. But, and that doesn't say that I don't believe in him that says that that's just the type of person I am. If he covers everything, I'm not going frivolous. I'm making wise business decisions. I'm stacking it, or we've already talked about what investments we're going to have. So in the case that there's a shift in financial responsibility, then we're okay to cover that. I'm going to need your PayPal information too, honey, because that was a word right there too. Man. We really don't. We don't stay around. It's like, hey, googly eye, I love you. You love me. We feeling good. Sex is good. Mm-hmm. Energy is good. We do all those different things, but we don't talk about the things that um, arise with conflict in relationships, and that's one of the things. Power, money, and sex. I think T.D. Jakes preached on that. Power, money, and sex are the things that we have to talk about in relationship. Like, this is somebody I could see myself with 10, 20 years investing, and we need to talk about this money thing. Ooh, boom, my credit is not all that. So let's talk about that. And what ways can we still um, exist and be equal or balanced and then move forward and still create happiness? So, I mean, it is what it is. I just love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. And snatch air. I said, and snatch air. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the air everywhere, <laughs> all of the air. <laughs> so, what I what I wanted to ask was there was there another caller in the queue before I no. stir the pot? Okay. So as I stir the pot, and put I'm gonna put a little seasoning on there and put a little lemon pepper on it. If men, you know, are still on the traditional sense of being the providers then why wouldn't they, whether they can or not, you know, why wouldn't they want to take care of all of the bills? Is that, you know, in the traditional sense, they're the lead and they're the provider and, you know, all of that, then why would it be, you know, why wouldn't it be that that's what they're striving to do? Not saying they have to, I'm just, you know, just putting it out there. Oh, that's not even stirring the pot. You know that what? can be answered very easily. <laughs> Go ahead, cousin. <laughs> that ain't even pot stirring right there. That one's just easy science. You know, after a while, um, men have, for ages upon ages, been, you know, a, I guess, a, a for lack of better words, headache to women in their situation. So when the tide turns and men decide that they want to do something different and they want to be the smile, it's not like, you know, women just wake up in the morning and say, girl, they all want to be the smile. Well, no, there's like, like we learned tonight, years of hurt that people still carry with themselves that stay there. And, you know, when all of that comes together, the man himself even if he does want to do everything for the woman, there's a piece of him that knows that, you know, 
you're not getting the whole traditional package. So why, why, you know what I mean, bust life down and do it in that one spot? Just so she doesn't ever have to spend money? Because, like, I mean, career-wise, you're not going to step in there and tell her she can't have a job because if she wants to be a career woman, that's what she's going to do. You know what I mean? And, like, in all honesty, as the dude, I don't have no right to step in front of her happiness if that's what she wants to do. So more than anything, it's about her happiness. You know what I mean? And and really my happiness, too. So whatever works. <laughs> I was gonna say clean up, but I'm like, if it's about our happiness, then you go pay all them bills. But no, <laughs> mine too. Cause I mean, like I said, I'm gonna do what I need to do to make it work. But at the same time, you can't ask for somebody to be all, you know, uh, uh, old school with it. But at the same time, you want to throw in spices from 2010. Like, no, you can't do that. If we're gonna be all the way old school, then then you're going to be old school like the old school women, too, and y'all don't want to be that way. And, I mean, I wouldn't want y'all to really be that way because some of that stuff is just asinine. Like, could you imagine sitting in the living room and you're not allowed to speak because that's just the way it was? He paying all the bills. You ain't got nothing to talk about. Sit there and be pretty. That's That's your job. Ike Turner. That's extreme. You know, men that pay all the bills don't tell their women not to talk. Ike Turner, yeah, just and, pay all the and Tina had a beautiful voice. Ike Turner, yeah, Ike Turner made Tina be quiet all the time because he grew up under. That, that is not a normal situation, though. That, that, that didn't work out too well. And that didn't work out too well. Tina was Let's not ever use Ike and Tina as the model. They are not relationship goals ever. Let's not ever use them again. Let me let me say. Let me say this, I think the reason why it's such a hard a hard thing for some guys to do is again is is you got to understand from a psychological standpoint um, from a psychological point or from really a relational standpoint let me say this that a lot of things that happen now um, it's a difference in us trying to understand this new normal that's been created and so so you're asking us to shift how we determine whether or not we are the head of the home into something that we don't know how to do. So before we were depend you all were codependent on us and that's how we established our quote unquote manhood. Well now that y'all don't need that and there are other things that we that we can do, it's now like, wait a minute, so you don't need me for money. I really don't know kind of what to do next. So we, we don't really know so we kinda say now that we don't have that same power, so to speak, that, or control is the word I'll use. Now we don't have that same level of control. It's like, well, fine, if you want to do it, fine, you can, but you got to pay the same thing that I, that I have to pay in order to do it. And that's not right because, in actuality, there are multiple things. The amount of money that you make does not determine headship in your home. It's about, again, about authority and who makes decisions and how decisions are made together. Um, so I think we're just kind of – I think me. I think first of all, and I said, I don't think there's not a man alive that does not want to have to want to pay all the bills. I think the problem comes in is that sometimes when we're not in a position to do it, and we're not in a position to not just pay the bills, but to give you the lifestyle that you want, it frustrates us and makes us think that mm-hmm. you know, if this is stuff that you really want, then go out here and help me pay some of this stuff too. So I think it's just a level of frustration and us trying to understand how our roles kind of fit together now 
but every man, I don't care who he is, every man takes pride in being able to provide for the woman that he loves, to fit, for her to be able to do the things that she wants to do, for her to be able to go to the places that she wants to go, for her to be able to walk in the store and say, hey, I want that, and him to be able to say, well, go ahead and get it, girl, we got it. He, that's a pride for us, and to not be able to do that makes us feel uncomfortable. So I think this has more to do with that than to do with the fact that we don't want to pay bills. It's just that sometimes we can't, and we don't know how to say, I can't provide you this lifestyle that you see on Love and Hip Hop, um, but we got to live according to this budget, which might mean for a little while we got one car, or we ain't got no car, or we got, you know, we can't go out to dinner, uh, or you can't buy mm-hmm. new clothes, or you got to do your hair in the sink for the next six months. So we, you know what I mean? It's those types of things that just makes us feel uncomfortable. And I think we just got to learn how to get through that, those kind of things. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I get it. I, but I, I know, like for, I would just say personally, I don't say, I'm not gonna generalize, but personally, I would appreciate just the thought of, you know, a man wanting to pay all the bills, and then when he gets to that point, you know, saying, okay, we decided on this is where we're gonna stay, and. You know, that's not it's not reality that I'm going to be able to pay anything I want to. It's just the fact of wanting to. I just think we get away from, even though we can't be traditional anymore, why can't we still um, share the traditional values? I think we put too much emphasis on uh, we can't go back there because, you know, we know, everything has changed now, but you should still have that same desire, like your desire. They might not, you know what I mean? So just like we go and we watch movies or we watch whatever you want to do because we have this idea in our head, you can still have that that desire. You know, you just don't have to let it take off life. So I think the desire is great. Survive. I think it shouldn't be required though. <laughs> I think when we start lessening the people, lessening the spouse, let, I don't think a man should be considered less of a man or not worthy of a relationship or something like that just because he cannot financially take care of the entire household. Agreed. And I think that's Agreed. what frustrates me so much about these conversations. It's like, you are not less of a man because you can't take care of me and all, I mean, like, all of this extra luxurious stuff that I had. Like what Eunice said earlier, you know what I mean? Like, it has to be, I'm going to be frugal. I'm going to be mindful of the fact that my husband is taking care of everything and not be out here, you know, living real housewife, like, when I know that's not where we are right now. Even, you know, you have to have some, some level of understanding of that. That's why, you know, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. <clears throat> well said. Well said. Good clarification, Kels. I, I that was that's but where you I guys come back and, and be with y'all on that one. <laughs> Champagne <laughs> dreams and beer money. Did you guys notice on the post that there were several ladies? And I'm not again not saying they're right or wrong. There were several ladies and men that equated being able to pay all the bills with submission. And, and authority. I mean, there were still people who said, if my husband couldn't take care of us, or if my wife, you know, or, or if I, the wife, had to do had to pay this, I could, I would have a hard time submitting to them. So there are still people who think like that, who, you know. And again, I don't, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not the, you know, well, no, I say I don't necessarily agree with that. Again, I think that that, that the level of submission and, or submission and authority have absolutely nothing to do with, you know, being able to pay all the bills. I get the thinking, again, that that's old school, but at the same time, I think that we're still a long way away from being able to say, look, we, we got to do what's best. We got to do what's best. And, 
I'm not going to devalue you as a man based upon how much money you make, just like I'm not going to devalue you as a woman, you know, based upon how you look or, you know, or, or other things like that, how much weight you gain, how, you know, stuff like that. So. Right. I think. Yeah, we got, now, I think go ahead. If I like you, I like you. Period. Yeah, we're old school. I'm old school. Uh, but I think conversations like these, even if you have more men that, um, you know, would would say that in these type of forums and things like that, instead of being, and, and not just a non men, even if the women say something different, instead of being combative about why your opinion is what it is, if people get, you know, really show their, I guess, more sensitive side or sincere, not sensitive, sincere side to say, hey, you know, I don't think I have an income to pay for everything in the household if we were to get married. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm going to tell you the truth about that fact. And I just, you know, I'm still going to be trying to do my best to take care of you and everything, but that's not realistically if you want to live in a better neighborhood or, you know, things like that. Or, and if the man say the, the woman is not traditional enough for her to say, hey, I, you know, I my dad raised me, so I can't cook. You know what I mean? So if we had conversations mm-hmm. more like that, instead of being combative mm-hmm. so much, then I think mm-hmm. that we can still have those desires and still be realistic in going forward with, you know, having these just more loving relationships and discussions about this type of thing. So. I agree. My take on that. Yeah, All right, I guess we got to wrap up now, huh? We got about five minutes left, Cuzzles. You got us? You take us out? What, am I praying or something? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm about to pray. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was a new segment of the show. Like, you just yeah. stay full of bag of tricks, don't you? <laughs> First, you make me say the word I don't know how to say, then you make me pray out. <laughs> I was really about to say right, Father God. <laughs> go ahead and give your last, last word. Man. Hey, man, keep it petty. Make somebody laugh this week. I promise you, it'll, it'll, it'll make their day. Tell a good joke. Cool, cool. Kels, you up? <laughs> well, as always, I always have a good time. I am so appreciative of the uh, Black Match Made. Now, that is the website, right? Black Match Made and Miss Jasmine Turner. That was very interesting information. There were people commenting. Um, we didn't really go into that, but they were commenting and they were listening and they were liking what she was saying. So mm-hmm. kudos to her. And I always have a good time with the with the uh, fire starter. So the fire yeah. starter gets lights a fire under me every week. So I am always hot <laughs> after the fire mm-hmm. starter. And that's how we get the hot topics lit too. So I appreciate that and have a good rest of the week. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let's see what I got. So guys, Global Drive Live, our relationship forum is April 8th in Chicago. We actually just change the price today, so go get your tickets today. Uh, tickets are $10, and that includes light, light refreshments. Start at 6 o'clock. Um, uh, so that's Global Drive Live Relationship Forum. Jasmine, who was just on, is going to be on the panel. Myself, Kenneth Sean, uh, Lasagna Burnett, and uh, Shanir Austin. Uh, Austin, excuse me, is going to be on the panel. we got a good, good show for you guys, so you definitely want to make sure that you uh, tune in. Uh, excuse me, that you show up for that. Uh, so you can go to eventbrite.com 
Uh, actually, you can go to chicagorelationshipforum.eventbrite.com and get your ticket uh, today. Also, don't forget tomorrow, the word on Wednesday at 7 o'clock with Pastor Burns is on. Uh, he's going to be continuing his series. And if you have not downloaded your copy of Nuvo Exposure, you better go and get it. So nuvoexposure.org, um, you can get your free copy uh, today. Queen Conversations, Thursday at 730 uh, it's going to be live, so you definitely want to make sure uh, you are in the building. All of this you can get by just simply going to blogtalkradio.com, um, and you can like the Global Drive Network page, so that way you can always get the information. Plus, if you don't do that, or you can email us at globaldriveradio at gmail.com and uh, be added, so you can be added to the uh, email list where we will send you uh, all of the podcast links to the show. Um, what else I got? Last but not least, I miss. What am I skipping? I'm missing some advertising. If you want to advertise with us, you can. No, I got two things. Advertise with us simply at by emailing us um, or emailing me at globaldriveradio@gmail.com um, and just let me know that you want to advertise with us. We got some really cool packages, um, and we will get your product or service in front of a ton of people. Um, this is the last day for your uh, 20% off for Back to My Roots Clothing. So if you have not gotten your 20% off discount um, at Back to My Roots Clothing, you need to do that today. It's btmrclothing.com, and you want to use the code word GLOBAL, uh, and that's how you will get your 20% off off of your purchase. Um, Last but not least, I'm skipping one thing. No, I'm not. I want to say thank you to Scoop Nation. You guys are the truth. I appreciate you guys. Um, and then I want to say thank you to uh, the best co-host in the world, uh, Q, Cuzzo, and Kells. I appreciate you guys for all that you do um, and for putting up with me and my chaos. Um, so thank you guys uh, for wrapping uh, for week. So I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. You know you ain't get a last word. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't even want love. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. It's okay. I'm good. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm Y'all have a really, really good week. Check out elegancebydesign.com for all of your all natural hair and skincare needs. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. I'm sorry. I got excited. <laughs>
Father. 